Canucks Central Tuesday. It's Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah with you in the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-plus star Google reviews. Say sore feet? What are you waiting for? Kintech. This hour of Canuck Central brought to you by Brevo. Brevo provides convenient cloud-based access control systems from your mobile device for any industry. Go to lp.brevo.com slash Canada for a smart demonstration. An abbreviated version of Canuck Central today as uh, we'll get into the pregame coming up after 4 o'clock. The Nashville Predators, arguably the hottest team in the National Hockey League, going up against a pretty hot Vancouver Canucks. 5-0-1 in their last six, but Nashville's won 13 of their last 16 and to deal with the Nashville Predators at Rick Tockett has decided to make Andre Kuzmenko a healthy scratch again. Yeah. And the first thing I thought of when he said we're going with Kuzmenko because I'm trying to win this hockey game here was what you started the show off with. Nashville's been hot. Yeah. They have a good goaltender. You make mistakes, they make you pay. And it's probably going to be a low scoring game. So does he have the trust to have somebody out there that could make the type of mistake that could cost you in a a low-scoring game? And that might be unfair to Kuzmenko, but I think it's just how the coach feels, the lack of faith and trust he has in him to play against a team like the Preds that are going the way they're going on the road. It's it's pretty wild that we've gotten to this point with Andre Kuzmenko, though, right? Uh, 39 goals, Mm -hmm. um, signed the contract extension last year just – really not even that long into Rick Tockett's tenure. It was shortly after Rick Tockett was officially announced that the Canucks announced they would sign Kuzmenko to a two-year extension as he was a pending unrestricted free agent. And it's not in a good place, right? And everybody knows that. You have a 39-goal scorer who's now been scratched for the fourth time this year. It's not like it's a huge issue because the Canucks are winning right now. But it is sort of a uh, shadow lurking in the background that could grow larger as the second half of the season starts to come closer. I've tried to be very optimistic about this, Dan, and and saying, hey, listen, I want to give this time, and you can't just give up on this. It's still early when it comes to Kuzmenko this season. But when does it stop being early? Yeah. Because we're over a third of the way into the season, 32 games in. This will be game 33 tonight. This is like uh, Canucks fans trying to tell themselves it's a, it's still early when they were zero and ten to start last season. <laughs> yeah, and it's like all right, well, zero and eight, whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, and, and I mean, hey, that was eight games. Yes. You know, this is thirty-two games, and there are no signs of the coach trusting this player more. If anything, trusting him even less. We yeah. saw him not even get out on the ice the final seven eight minutes the other game, and you're right, it is becoming a growing concern. And the thing is, you're right. Also, the team's played well. They're winning hockey games. So people aren't outraged. I think a lot of people understand why Kuzmenko is being treated harsher. But the big question is, does it not behoove the organization and the team to find a way to make this work? It really it really does. So, so far this year, uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you some players that... Uh, <laughs> Andre Kuz that are playing as many five on five minutes as uh, as Andre Kuzmenko, which is just under ten and a half minutes per game, mm-hmm. five on five. So even outside of the healthy scratches, this is kind of the company he is keeping with the level of time he is playing in each game. Uh, Kent Johnson, who's kind of been in and out of the 
mm-hmm. Columbus Blue Jackets lineup. Uh, Cole Gutman, who just scored for the Chicago Blackhawks a couple of nights ago, uh, days ago against the Vancouver Canucks. John Ludwig uh, is another one. Zemgis Gergensens, Connor Sherry, Cal Clutterbuck, Alexi Protas. And maybe the most optimistic is Michael Carcone with the uh, Arizona Coyotes, former Vancouver Canuck, of course, who is uh, this year's Daniel Sprong and scoring a bunch of goals in very limited ice time. Yeah, and uh, just so you can say Carcone that way. I mean, that's, that's why a, I saved the best for last, <laughs> that, right? That's, that's exactly why. But that's kind of what you're hoping for with Andre Kuzmenko at this point, right? Is that he's kind of a, he becomes sort of a specialty luxury item on your roster that can score goals in a limited amount of ice time. And I just, I don't know if, if Rick Tockett really values that sort of player with the style that he wants to play. It's top six or bust. Yeah. With him, isn't it? Feels like it. Because he's not going, I mean, at this point, he doesn't seem to be close at all to being able to provide at least the basic level of um, play the coach wants from him in terms of the details he speaks about, you, you know. And if he's not able to get there, yeah. he's not going to be able to play in a bottom six role because those guys are only going to get out there seven, eight, nine minutes in a game. And you can't be making mistakes that are going to cost your team in seven, eight, nine minutes. You want to get by in, in, with that in terms of, hey, we survived those minutes, and can we at least maybe push the puck forward and, and make some sort of an impact on the game? But that's pretty much it. Kuzmenko has to find a way to get back on Pedersen's wing. And if that's not going to happen, then it's not going to work here. Yeah. I think that's abundantly clear at this point, isn't it? It really it, it feels that way. Um, he hasn't been all that poor, I guess, <laughs> in these last number of games. Like, he hasn't stuck out to me as somebody that has been drastically bad or anything like that. No. Ten games since his last healthy scratch, he's got three goals, ends up being a plus one. So um, that part of it hasn't really... <laughs> That doesn't tell the story of his defensive issues. Is shooting at 23% with those three goals because he's still taking a very limited amount of shots in the ice time that he gets and still playing power play one, which is kind of surprising that you're shooting as little as you are when you're playing on this power play. But it's the shot metrics, how much the Canucks are withstanding, (laughs) uh, trying to survive when Kuzmenko's out there because they're basically being outshot two to one. And that's where you start to wonder, okay, like if it doesn't change, eventually the goals are going to start going in when Andre Kuzmenko's on the ice. This right now has to be something that the Canucks make one of their top priorities to fix because the way I look at it, and if I'm Rick Tockett, I get it. You're trying to win every game. That's how head coaches think and that's how they operate. But it's December 19th. You are comfortably in a playoff position. By points, you have the second most in the National Hockey League. So you're not living and dying with every single result. Does it not Does it not benefit you more to find a way to get this player going and add to your roster as the season goes on when you're likely to need a little bit more offensive punch have guys that can score goals as games get a little bit tighter down the stretch of the season and then, of course, in the playoffs. I don't disagree in terms of that's the obvious asset management way of looking at it, right? 
And I think from the outside, for us, it's kind of black and white in that regard, right? It's like, mm-hmm. it, it's clear. It, it makes more sense for you to try to make it work here to at least not drop his value, right? But I think in terms of in actual practicality, and if you look at the standard the coach is trying to set and has set, and how he's put, let's say, I mean, he's put his own kind of, he puts it on the line when he draws lines in the sand. Yeah. And if a player doesn't meet that, he can only respond in one way, especially if he wants to create the type of work ethic and the type of team play that he wants from these guys and the non-negotiables and the accountability he wants. So I, I bet you, whether we think it's justified or not, the reasoning is if he doesn't hold this player accountable for the things he's holding others accountable for and things that he is harping on every single day, then that in turn helps him or creates a loss of credibility with him, with his players. And I don't think he wants to do that. Yeah. And I think what he's showing to the group is, I really don't care how many goals you scored and what you do. Like You have to figure out how to play my way, or at least hit my non-negotiables. Because I don't buy that he wants Kuzmenko to become a checker. I think it's more simple than that. I think it comes down to good shifts. End of your shift. If you don't have something, dump it in. And be in the right spot defensively. That's all. Like he's not asking him to go in there and and you know hit guys through the wall or anything. He wants forechecking, sure, but he wants everybody to be able to win along the board. That's I think a standard he met himself last year in many ways. Andre Kuzmenko, maybe not meeting it right now, but I would imagine those are the reasons why Kuzmenko's still getting healthy scratch. Whether we like it or not, it's I think it has more. There's more there than we kind of see from the outside. Kuzmenko, one of the things I've noticed, even in the games that he scored, still having issues with the shift lengths, still being one of the guys that is out there for 50 seconds or more, even at five on five. And he'll have the opportunity to make a change, doesn't make it, and then he gets stuck. You have an opportunity to change at 32 seconds into your shift. If you don't make it, then are you going to be able to make it when it's now 50 seconds into your shift? And now you're stuck. Are you trying to do too much are you trying to get out of the doghouse by scoring a goal because if you are scoring the goal isn't getting you out of the doghouse it's doing the staples that'll get you out of the doghouse. precisely house. and when those are the non-negotiables yeah that he is holding the guys to that's what he wants them to meet and is that unfair to kuzmenko i think some people believe that i'm yeah. not sure that it is it's uh it's one of the things that's sort of surprising about this situation, how like there has been a little bit of, are we really scratching Kuzmenko again versus I think in the past, if a player like Kuzmenko or you go back to Nikolai Goldobin getting all those healthy scratches or whoever it may have been, uh, you know, hot shot offensive superstar that's getting healthy scratched for uh, fourth line checker type. And the coach would receive a lot of critique over a, a decision like that. We've seen a little bit, but I think Tockett has earned so much confidence with this fan base in less than a year that most people just trust what this guy's doing with his decision-making and how he's managing these players. I think that's, that's a big part of it because they're winning, and he's been one of the most successful coaches in terms of win percentage. I know that's a number that you were tracking yeah. uh, a little while back, but what his win percentage has been better than? Everybody. <laughs> Boudreaux, Vigneault. Boudreaux, Vigneault. He's got the best winning percentage through uh, this stage of his Canucks career than any other coach. Yeah, so uh, that usually creates uh, a little bit of faith with yes. the fan base. 
and they're winning. And I think that's the that's the ultimate thing here, right? And ultimately, it's it's not the biggest issue because they're scoring a lot of goals. It's not like the team's not scoring a lot of goals. They still lead the National Hockey League in scoring. Besser has taken up uh, whatever Kuzmenko left on the table in terms of goals with, with his 23 And shooting overseas, percentage. And shooting percentage. <laughs> so they're getting by and they're flourishing without it, right? And like we talked about yesterday, there's only one awkward fit on this roster right now, and it's Kuzmenko. Yeah. But it's it's unfortunate that it's a guy that was so prolific last year and if he gets going, he fills so many needs this team is kind of lacking despite the fact of scoring a lot and that is having a more of a presence on the wing in the top six. And as, as much as you, you talk about make a trade and add somebody, that's a lot easier said than done. And your internal solutions are your best. And, you know, they need to get Kuzmenko going, but you kind of start running out of faith a little bit about when it's going to happen. There is uh, a lot of reaction coming into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox uh, what team does Kuzmenko finish the season with, and why is it Washington? That is uh, Colin from the Caribou. Not so sure it's going to be Washington. We get this one a lot. Uh, Bill from Surrey, Kuz for Josh Anderson, and third. Uh, we've been over this. Uh, I, I wouldn't take Josh Anderson uh, for pretty much anything. Uh, or Montreal would have to pay you a pretty high, pretty high price, plus take a contract back in order to uh, take on Josh Josh Anderson's contract. You're adding a lot of term. I mean, if you add Josh Anderson. Um, He's got more term than Connor Garland currently does. Yeah, I mean, he's got what three more years beyond this. Yeah, yeah it's and it's at over five million. It's tough. It's just it's just a really tough contract. Uh, Steve in the oil patch. Could Kuz being scratched be because there is a deal pending the break? So the roster freeze goes into uh, effect tonight. So I don't know why. Um, why be just make the deal now? Well, yeah, you could you could yeah. officially just make the deal now. I remember uh, Brian Burke used to have. A roster freeze before the roster freeze, yes. so uh, he wouldn't uh, want that to happen. But um, I, the thing about trading Andre Kuzmenko is he's now getting paid five and a half million against the salary cap, and given the situation that the league is in, you are looking at apologize. <laughs> um, somebody just keeps calling me, but it's a situation with Andre Kuzmenko where. It's now a money-in, money-out thing, as it is with Connor Garland or all of these other trade hypotheticals that yeah. we've talked about with uh, with the Vancouver Canucks. I guess, you know, the the eventual question comes back to, did they do the right thing by extending Andre Kuzmenko when they did? I mean, right now, it doesn't look like it was the right choice. Yeah. You know, because it's not working right now. You have the benefit of hindsight. Yeah, you do right now. And I mean, you know, and, pe- and there were people that said they should have traded him before. It's not like it's hindsight, you know, yeah. so to be fair, right? But whether it was a mistake or not, I think the bigger thing is like, what do you do about it? You know, like every every front office is going to make mistakes. Yes. You know, and we talked about how how clean this front the front office's a record has been in terms of their deals. I mean, right now most of their trades look like they've worked. Right. Yes. Uh, most of their signings have worked. Last year's Kuzmenko signing was one of the biggest coups in the league. They got him on an entry level contract and he scored thirty nine goals. And one of their master strokes could also be one of their biggest mistakes in terms of extending him. And it's funny how that works sometimes too, right? But I think the other part is where in the evaluation were they wrong? And is there a way that he can still get out of it? It feels um, where the evaluation, I don't think the evaluation of the talent was wrong, but could you have allowed for a little bit more time with coach and player to see how it would fit. 
um, as far as where this relationship has gone wrong. I think it's mostly that Rick Tockett isn't like Andre Kuzmenko isn't the style of player Rick Tockett seems to really like. No, it's, it's not. But at the same time, like I'm not sure which coach would live with certain things that he doesn't do. Yeah. And it's not like the Boudreaux. choosing when to forecheck and the yeah. long shift lengths and things like that. Yeah, and Boudreaux had some issues with that too. I mean, Boudreaux healthy healthy scratched them a yes. game too. I mean, let's not forget that that happened. And also, uh, had some moments where he dropped them down to the third line member or the fourth line even reduced his minutes. I mean, those things happen under Boudreaux as well, right? And so I think for any team that has real aspirations that wants to win in the playoffs, Kuzmenko's going to have the same issues with, with with a different coach. So I think a lot of these things, as much as yes. Um, you can talk about giving him more rope, but I'm not sure any coach, you know, that's on a winning team would just give him an infinite rope. I think they'd have problems with a lot of things that he does. And those are things that he has to clean up. And sometimes, you know, players, they just need time to get, get that. And part of me still thinks that because of how much talent Kuzmenko has, your best choice is to ride it out. It just looks like it's it's not working with this coach and he's not getting through to him at this point. Uh, we're going to have a lot more to uh, discuss on Andre Kuzmenko. Uh, Irfan Gafar, Canucks insider, is going to join us in a little bit. Uh, but there is a couple of other things we wanted to get to. And, hey, Kuzmenko's shooting percentage was one of the reasons to fade him, having a bit of a soft, uh, you know, being able to back up what he did last year. But... You know, we didn't expect the slump to go to this level. Certainly I didn't, even as uh, I called it out last year that he wouldn't score 30 goals this <laughs> yeah. season. Uh, Clayton, a lot <laughs> a lot of people are talking about Besser's shooting percentage, but not talking about the fact that he's fifth in the league in expected goals. And you're not totally wrong there, Clayton. Besser is finding himself in a lot of good shooting positions, and it's one of the reasons he's been able to score as well as he has. But... All that being said, it's very difficult to maintain a shooting percentage over 25% for the entirety of an NHL campaign, which is why Andre Kuzmenko was essentially the only player to do it in the modern era. So what I'm curious about, Sat, and I know you've been looking at some of the uh, the underlying numbers and some of the bigger data that uh, NHL Edge is now providing with us, everybody seems to understand the Canucks are scoring at a higher clip than you would expect them to, given the amount, given the volume of shots they are taking. But how much of that, how much of their their inflated shooting percentage by design? Well, and, and I think it's really interesting looking at the numbers. And you're right. Uh, when we first saw the NHL edge data, the samples were too small for you to make much out of it, especially when it came to time on ice stuff and shots and everything. We're, we were talking about, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten games into the season. So where a team ranked was, was hard to kind of figure out what it meant. Now that we're over a third of the way into the season, looking at where teams rank in these, uh, in these raw numbers, really, I think it's a bit interesting. And so the Canucks, when it comes to high danger shots, on net are top 10 in the National Hockey League. The Canucks have been very, are at the bottom of the league in terms of shot totals. You know, they, they don't shoot as, they're like in the bottom half of the league in terms of shots per game, but they're, to, they're top 10 in high danger shots. So they shoot from high danger areas. And when it comes to how many high danger goals they're scoring, they're top three in the league. So a lot of their goals are coming from high danger uh, areas as well, because they camp out in front of the net really well. They're, they're league average in mid range and long range goals. So they're not taking a ton of long range and mid range goals. So they're bypassing a lot of longer shots 
to t- try to create the inside shot more. It hasn't always felt like that, if I'm being completely honest yeah. about it, especially through the stretch where they went 500 through the 14, 15, 16 games uh, that, you know, this that preceded this 5-0-1 stretch they are currently on. But when you look at that data, it tells you pretty explicitly, here's a team that is looking for more quality opportunities rather than a quantity of opportunities. It is uh, the opposite of the Carolina model or some other teams that we've known to be more volume-based offenses than quality-based offense. And I think that's that's the right conclusion. And to prove that conclusion further, to prove that they are holding on to the puck a lot and bypassing shots to create better shots, they're top eight in the league in offensive zone time at mm-hmm. even strength. So they have the puck in the offensive zone. Quite a bit. Quite a bit. And they're not shooting the puck a ton, but they're shooting more from their, their percentage of shots compared to the league from the inside are higher. And the rate they're scoring those goals are higher. Now... They are riding percentages still. I mean, they're converting on 26% of those shots at high danger areas. League average is 20%. So there's about 6% above league average almost. Uh, and they have a high, they're sh- even in those uh, mid-range and long-range goals, their shooting percentage in those in those situations are above average. Right. So they're still getting goals. Like, don't get this wrong. Like, the Canucks are still riding percentages. Even though they're uh, getting a lot of goals from inside, they're st- shooting at a high percentage from those goals. So it will come down. But as we were talking yesterday, the question is, how far will it come down? may not come down this year. Like They may ride this the entire year, yeah. right? And usually teams that finish first or have a top record, they ride these types of percentages. The Canucks right now are astronomical, however. And they can even continue it in the postseason. I mean, teams have won cups riding mm-hmm. percentages. Like, it's happened. You know what I mean? St. Louis Blues. The year after, however, is usually when a correction happens. The question is, to what degree does that correction happen? And if you want to buy into the quality of chances the Canucks are creating and how they're trying to generate goals, and if they can hone in on that even more and get better at it, which I think it's possible, especially as they're trying to really forge an identity of who they are and what they want to be, and if they add to the roster the types of players they think can be successful here, and not lose players from the roster like they did, like say Seattle did, and that's a big right. reason why they're not scoring as many. So maybe next year the Canucks don't score at the top rate in the National Hockey League, but do they score in the top half in the league? Because last year the Vegas Golden Knights, I think they were like what twelfth or thirteenth in goals. Yeah, you don't have to be a top ten, top eight team in goal scoring to win a cup. Like no. it, there, there's more to it. You can't be a bottom of the league team in scoring, but you have to kind of be in that top half of the league. So are the Canucks going to go from being the top team to one of the bottom teams like Seattle, or do they correct to say nine, ten, eight, twelve, even? Well, there's still enough uh, high level talent on this team that you don't expect that kind of a drop off, right? Like Seattle, okay, they lose a couple of depth players like Daniel Sprong and, and some others, but who are they leaning on? Leaning on Matty Beneers, Yanni yeah. Gord. It's a little bit of a different quality of player than JT Miller and, and Elias Pettersson and, and Quinn Hughes up front. So there is a difference there, a tangible difference. As far as like this whole conversation, the Canucks are PDO merchants, whatever you want to call them. They have consistently done it now for nearly half a season. It's 32 games. We're nine games away from the halfway point of the year. There is, and what this tells you, as Sat just pointed out, there is a method to the madness. There are reasons why they are overcoming the percentages and why they are 
having an inflated shooting percentage for as long as they've had. And while it dipped for a little bit during that 500 stretch through mid-November and early December, it's now crept back up again because when they get hot, they will run hot with this high-end shooting talent that they have. But not only this, what are some of the other things that we've heard about how they go about creating their offense? We heard from, and we talked about this with Kevin Woodley, when John Hines and the Minnesota Wild were in town and lost 2 nothing. he mentioned Vancouver is number one in rebound chances. Yeah. So they are number one at getting those second-chance opportunities in the league. Could be a reason why their high-danger shooting percentages are a little bit inflated because yeah. they're getting a rebound right bang there in front of the net and banging it in. We've seen that a bunch of times with this team. Another thing we've talked about, their layered screens, how they hold on, they wait for that extra little screen, or they do one of those flybys across the goalie's eyesight to create an extra level of screen before taking that shot. And it's all of these things in conjunction where, sure, other teams are doing this around the league as well, but it seems like the Canucks have really focused in on executing these elements of their game in the offensive zone to really highlight some of their shooting talent. And, you know, and that's why a lot of this is making your own luck. Yes. And, And the thing is, you have to put yourself in a position to be lucky. Last year, we talked about this a lot, and it was an example I brought up so many different times. Uh, it, it was a game uh, the Canucks were playing. Um, St. Louis. The St. Louis Blues. You, know, you remember which game I'm talking Marco about? Marco Scandella. You, remember, you, know the, you know the reference. I, I remember. You remember the reference. And I, I, I kept going back to it because it, was, it, it, was, it, it encapsulated what the Canucks weren't doing and what an opponent was doing. And we'd be like, well, that's a lucky goal. It's like, well, well if a defenseman is, is cheating in or not cheating in or taking the lane back door and beating all your guys to the net and the puck bounces off of him in the crease and nobody's standing next to him. Yeah. He's lucky, but he put himself in a position as a defenseman on the weak side, dropping in in front of the goal and having a puck bounce off of him. Yeah. It's lucky, but if he's not there, you don't get lucky. Yes. You know, and, and how often did we see the Canucks last year not be in those areas? Yeah. Because they didn't put themselves in a position to be lucky. So they are putting themselves in a position to be lucky, and they're getting very lucky to some extent. But they're doing a lot of positives to get there. Like, I don't, I don't think it's one, a case of, hey, like you just mentioned, they're just shooting the puck and it's going in, despite the fact that it's happened a few times. It's more about they're doing a lot of things that are putting them in positions to be fortunate. And right now, it's just all coming up aces. Uh, this hour of Canuck Central is brought to you by Brevo. Brevo provides convenient cloud-based access control systems from your mobile device for any industry. Go to lp.brevo.com Canada for a smart demonstration. Coming up, Irfan Gaffar will join us in more of your texts before we get to the pregame show. Canucks and Nashville Predators tonight on Sportsnet 650. Back in on Canuck Central, it's Dan Richo and Satyar Shah. This hour of Canuck Central is brought to you by Brevo. Brevo provides convenient cloud-based access control systems from your mobile device for any industry. Go to lp.brevo.com Canada for a smart demonstration. Um, Irfan Gaffar going to join us uh, here in a couple of moments. Um, the conversation continuing to be around 
Andre Kuzmenko, this text, unsigned. Could you send him to Abbotsford? And if you did, would you get that cap space? Uh, you can. Uh, and he may go unclaimed because nobody has cap space. Yeah. Um, but you only get a million and a bit of cap space. You don't get a lot of cap space. It's like 1.1 million. Yeah. That's it. You don't get the entire salary back no. as far as cap space goes. And uh, you'd have a very unhappy player and agent yeah. to go along with it. So uh, it's maybe maybe not the ideal scenario. Hey, as bad as it's been, right? Like he has six goals and 17 points in 29 games. Like yes. it's, it's not great. I, they're, they're not eye watering numbers or anything. But like over the course of a season, it's like what? 15, 16 goals, um, you know, 42, 43 points. Like, it's, you know, it's, it's not chopped liver. It's just not what you expect from a guy who was a point per game and 39 goals last year. Yeah, that's that's the hard part. 39 goals last year and now going to be healthy scratched for a fourth time this year. Let's uh, bring on our next guest. Never a healthy scratch. It is uh, Irfan Gaffar, Canucks Insider. What's happening? What's going on, fellas? How are we doing? Uh, we're, we're, we're doing pretty good, especially after that Drew Locke comeback last night. They're doing better than it was like Coco Bongo in there. It was a right. party in Seattle. It was it was wild. I, I uh, it was good. It was pouring rain, but uh, yeah, it was it was fun to watch. The Eagles have a lot of stuff to say, figure out if they think that they're a Super Bowl team. Oh, but yeah. for what it was, watching Drew go, you know, march his team down the field and, and get that win, it was fun. You know. It- the Seahawks, even though I'm not a Seahawks fan, I love watching them in prime time. They can play the worst football game, and it can be, you know, uninteresting. But it's so they can play fun to watch. Well, I mean, it's 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 great to hate watch, but their endings don't disappoint. Like fourth no. quarter of games of the Seahawks games in prime time are never disappointing, and this one was like another banner prime time Seahawks game. Well, remember the replacement officials that game against Green Bay too? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> like that was that that was a prime time game, the fail Mary. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even Dallas uh, earlier and uh, yeah, uh, on the Thursday nighter and uh, well, it wasn't a primetime game, but the game against Cleveland sat. Well, yeah, that one was that was a primetime, <laughs> but I mean that was heartbreaking. Well, that's the the American Thanksgiving one against San Francisco. We got slapped, but yeah. we were marshmallowy soft that game anyway. Yeah, so. that one that one was no fun. But uh, leave it up to to Pete Carroll to to figure out a way to get his team to win against uh, against all the odds as they did last night. Give Drew Locke his credit though. That that final drive, he threw a couple dimes. Like, yeah, give him credit. Yeah. He yeah. threw a couple of ugly, really like really ugly ones, and yeah. a couple of really good ones. Uh, it's uh, that the Drew Lock experience. That interview with Lisa Salters was incredible after yeah. the game. Like she she nailed it, and obviously you know you strike well someone just willing to give you everything. That was awesome. Uh, when I grow up, I want to interview as well as Lisa Salter does. That's uh, oh same. <laughs> that is uh, that is definitely on uh, on the bucket list. But uh, all right, let's let's get into the Vancouver Canucks here. It's enough Seahawks talk. Somebody's yelling on the the Dunbar Lumber <laughs> text message inbox, but. Um, the conversation back on Andre Kuzmenko here as he's going to be a healthy scratch against the Nashville Predators tonight. Um, the, the situation y- you thought maybe after the back-to-back healthy scratches, okay, now he can work his way back into the good books of the coach. That obviously hasn't happened. And now we're left continuing to assess where this relationship is and where it may be headed. Well, I mean – like, dude's playing 10, 11 minutes a night, and seven minutes of it is at five on five. So the rest of it's on power, it's getting power play time. And even then, he's not doing anything. So, yeah, is he going to go to, is this going to trend toward the direction where, you know, Dan Milstein is going to pull a Nikita Zadorov here, and we're going to see someone report that, you know, they've requested a trade out of Vancouver? Well, it's not a secret that the Canucks are, are have been trying to move in, that they're, I don't know if there's been interest, but I know teams have talked. 
um, about Kuzmenko and, and kind of the situation of what is happening there. But, I mean, look, like he's, a, he's, a, he's a player that, you know, the Canucks still value as, you know, that they're going to want something in return for him. They're not just going to give him away for free. Um, it's going to be one of those tough moves. But, yeah, if he keeps getting healthy scratch and he doesn't improve in his own end, that's especially it then you're going to see something that starts to go a little bit a, a little bit sideways that way. I mean, you can't keep putting him in the game if you're trying to win a hockey game and Rick Tockett is going to make decisions based on winning hockey games. If he thinks Ilya, or, um, Andre Kuzmenko can't play, he can't play. He's trying to win a hockey game. He's not trying to please people. So I think that's one of the things. And Kuzmenko, to his credit, to, to him, he hasn't really done anything to prove he needs to be up in the lineup. So this one's more on the player, to be completely honest. Well, and I think as if there is some recognition from, uh, say, his agent that the player needs to be better, maybe this won't go, um, let's say, off the rails as quickly. But I think the question only becomes, like, when does it become a bigger issue, especially when there is a record of the agent not being afraid of, of making it be known that his player needs to be treated differently or be traded, right? Like, how far do you think we are away from that? Because so far, it seems like they've been fine. You know what I mean? Like, I can't speak for uh, yeah, the parties, but I think uh, with so far, like, I think they've been able to get along fairly well. We know Milstein, we joke that he's an AGM with the Canucks, too. So clearly, there are a lot of clients and uh, a relationship there. But at what point does that become, like, a bigger issue? Well, here's the one thing I, I, I can say about that. Uh, Mikhail's a, or not Mikhail, sorry. Uh, Kuzmenko's a lot more liked in the room than, than, than Zadorov was in Calgary. Yeah. Right? I, yeah. And I, think the, I think the situation there is a little different. I just think that that one was like, I got to go. And I'm not happy here. Yeah. Whereas this one is, the coach doesn't like me. I'm not getting playing time. How can I, is, is this some self-reflection here where I can actually improve on myself and want to get better? So to me, this is completely going to be on the player. If he wants to exfoliate all the bad that he's had over the last little while and, and go in with a healthy, clean play here and use these healthy scratches and, and everything that he needs to do to try and get better, then good on him. But if he's going to sit and whine to his agent and say, okay, well, I don't like it. They don't like me. I'm not playing. I'm not getting treated properly. I want out. That's a completely different story. I don't think that's the case with Kuzmenko at all. Um, I think he really, really does like it here. Um, I think he's really well-liked in the room as well. I just think this is a situation where, you know, he's just finding it very tough to crack the lineup. And he's been giving all the information as to what he needs to do. And he's just still having a really tough year. Well, and it, it, Rick Tockett, he hasn't pulled too many bad levers so far in, uh, as, as head coach of the Vancouver Canucks. And, you know, when you've held pretty much everybody on the roster accountable and you're trying to preach that culture of accountability as he has, it's, it's really hard to reward Andre Kuzmenko with an opportunity next to Elias Pettersson again, let's say, when his shifts are still staying a little bit too long and he's not sticking to the the non-negotiables that Rick Tockett wants from from all of his players i mean he can't he can't reward a player that's that's not doing the basics of what is being a Vancouver Canuck that he's really trying to instill in all these guys no and you know Charlie Conway wants to got to play two-way hockey coach like you know yeah. and, that, and that's the thing and it and and it is as simple as that and i agree with you the shift length is a little bit longer but you know, he's the guy who's you know, on the ice on the fourth line. He's probably going to want to stay out there for a long, as long as he possibly can. But if you're not doing anything in those games to show your coach that you deserve to be higher in the lineup, then he's not going to put you higher in the lineup. And you're not even doing anything on the power play either. Yeah. So Well, that's, that's the then, real tough part here is like 
right? You know, I, I I can understand you're you're not generating a ton of offense when you're playing with with Nils Oman. No disrespect to to Nils Oman, but he hasn't shown that he can be any sort of offensive driver at the NHL level at, to this point in his NHL career. So that's that that's a tough sell on me. Like, how's Andre Kuzmenko supposed to? To, to carry a fourth line that doesn't have much scoring on it, but you're still getting power play one opportunity and not not doing much with it. And that's that's the that's the real problem. Is Andre Kuzmenko playing better than Sam Lafferty right now? I'll ask you guys. No. No, he's not. And and I think and, and, and you know who's making the most of his opportunities? It's Sam Lafferty. And, and honestly, you you're right. And honestly, I think with Kuzmenko it goes beyond like the scoring part. Like it's it's can he just do the things the coach is asking of him to do. Follow instruction. You know, and I think that's the biggest. You're right. Like follow instruction, and not that you have to. And I don't think they're trying to turn him into a, a checker. You know what I mean? I don't think that's no. what they're trying to do. I don't think. I think essentially it is. And somebody messaged us and said, "Hey, if you actually look at his shift lengths, like you know, he's not taking long shifts, and even his averages aren't long. And it's not even so much about it, the averages. And if you, when you know, Reach and I were talking about this in the break, because when you watch Kuzmenko at the rink and you get to see the game from up top and you see everything going on on the ice. And late in shifts, and it's not that he does it every shift, but it was a couple of games, and there were some moments where instead of dumping it in, he'll try to make a move at the blue line, he'll lose the puck, and then he'll go off for a change. So he's only out there like two or three seconds longer, but he loses the puck instead of putting it deep, for instance. And those are the types of things that repeatedly happen. Almost every game, there's like one instance or two instances, and whatever else they're preaching to him that he's not doing. But that's an example of you see it, and it's like, just don't do those things. And if he doesn't do those things, like I, I wouldn't be surprised if he if he just hones in on that, he'll be back in the top six. Like I think that's the standard he has to meet. It's just like, dude, like why is it not <laughs> happening by now? Yeah, it's tough, right? And and, and I think it's the frustration within the fan base is this dude scored thirty nine goals in the National Hockey League. Like, where's that guy gone? And okay, he's not getting an opportunity to play, but it's it's more than just scoring goals and, and being on the top line. It's it's being able to be relied upon in your own end. And I think that that's a big thing. For, for for Rick talking his bunch. I mean, there's a game uh, a few weeks ago. I, I can't remember what game it was, but they were outshot like nine nothing when he was on the ice. Like that's that's it's not that's the wrong stat you want to be on. Yeah. Right. So I, I think that when you look at for for him, I, I think that yeah, sometimes watching, sometimes getting a little bit of tough love and having the healthy scratches, and even after you have scored in a couple of games, but you're still not doing the things, you're still not getting rewarded. And sometimes it is a little bit better to. To, to watch and, and, and maybe you are going to get a little bit of a reality check here if it is if it is if this healthy scratch does continue for for more than just one game but um, if I'm him I learn I, I try and get better from it I think he knows exactly what he needs to do it's just about it's just a matter of going out and doing it well and it's it's hard to really um, it's hard to really disagree with the coach on this when the team has played as well as it's had you know uh, yeah. we, they've bumped Kuzmenko to the fourth line and guess what they've won five of their last six games and picked up points in all six you know it's uh it, like they haven't really missed Andre Kuzmenko in in the top six lately since you know they bumped him down to the fourth line spot and you know this is this is kind of it like Rick Tockett he's earned every little bit of confidence that he's gotten out of this fan base because, you know, we've seen it in years past, uh, a coach would make a, a scratch like this and, and everybody would be asking why. I mean, how many times did we talk about it with like um, Nikolai Goldobin or whoever it may have been in, in the Travis Green days. But when you're winning as much as Rick Tockett is right now with this team, there's not going to be too many people disagreeing with your roster decisions. No, and I mean the fans aren't stupid. They know exactly what's going on. Like they, you can tell. You just have to watch the game to know that ninety six isn't doing anything. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, the two goals are nice. 
against Florida and Tampa, but I mean, it's, it, it still doesn't mask the fact that, you know, he's on the ice a lot. He's minus he's dash, whatever in, in games that he is playing. So it, it's tough. And, and I, you know, I, I want the best for, for a guy like uh, Kuzmenko. Obviously he's a great guy. The, the guys in the room love him. Um, and he's scored a lot in this league, but it's a different league. You got to play both. You got to play, you got to play both ends of the ice. And right now, um, they're not getting enough of an effort from him in his own end for him to warrant playing every single night. Yeah, and it's clear that it's going to take some time. We know the roster freeze yeah. is going in, uh, so we're not expecting any trades or anything like that. And, you know, as far as the Canucks in general, as much as, you know, Kuzmenko is a guy that could obviously, you know, I suppose I suppose get moved at some point. Like, I don't think that that's at all, like, the, the pressing thing the team is looking at anyways if they had it once the roster freeze lifts. No, not at all. I, look, I think if there is a team interested and they really, really, really want Andre Kuzmenko, the Canucks are going to have a conversation about it. I don't think they're going out and sending out memos to the league. We talked about this, I think, last week or two weeks ago, that they're going out saying, okay, he's, he's, he's available. What do we want? I think that, you know, if, if there's a team that does want him or want to have a conversation about it, yeah, the Canucks are willing to engage. I think that they're still they still want to improve on the for- the forwards at some point. Um, we we've talked about three names: Garland, um, Kuzmenko, obviously, and um, Hoaglander as as players that you know the the Canucks look at and say, okay, are these our biggest assets right now? Are these the guys that we're willing to to part ways with to to try and improve this hockey club? Right now, I don't think they want to touch that Garland line, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think that that's one of their more reliable lines. And Hoaglander, if you look at it probably their best asset right now for anything in the return just because Kuzmenko isn't playing the way that you know everyone wants him to play well you you mentioned Garland and, and how well that line plays and because people are asking us has he played himself off the trade market as far as the team not even wanting to consider it or is it very much like Kuzmenko they're probably not looking they're not trying because they know they've been there before but if somebody calls they'll still listen or do you think they're pretty happy having him here now uh I think they're pretty happy having him here right now Right, I think that if there's any opportunity to get money off the books, you're going to try and do it if there's a way. But if you're trading Garland, you're probably taking some money back, and it's probably not an impact forward that you want to bring back in return. Right, so I think if they're looking to actually improve, then Hoaglander is the name. But he's also been playing really well too. And if you're continuing to win these games, then it's really, really hard to make moves. Yeah, it's uh, it's. It's going to be interesting as we get closer and closer to the deadline, all the things that they do. If you're moving Hoaglander, it's not, I don't think they're moving him for just a pick. Like, if no. you're moving him, wouldn't it be to improve the team? Like, to like get exactly. a player who's better back in return, whether it's part well, of a package saying, for a defenseman yeah. or a forward? Like, I think that's what would happen, right? Or are you getting a good enough pick to then use in a trade afterwards? But the thing is, you have to be able to clear the cap space. Like, Hoaglander's mm-hmm. only a million bucks. Like, yeah. you can trade Hoaglander yeah. for a pick, but it doesn't give you flexibility to do anything. No. That's why I think that's why when I said that he's their biggest asset because he's the one yeah. who's probably only one that gets something in return. If it's Garland, it's probably a salary dump, and you're going to have to take something in return. Hold, or Kuzmenko is a little bit of a different story, right? The guy's making a lot of money. So what are you trying to do there? Because you obviously are you ready to give up on him? And then how much of an asset do you think he really is? Yeah. It's uh, and they held on to. I mean, they they proved with Besser, right? That hey, as much yeah. as we we want to move a guy, we're not going to do a bad deal just well, for the time sake is of their it. friend, yes. right? They 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 have time, so they're going to use it, and they've done that in the past. Um, I, I'm really curious. Uh, 
your take on on Jim Rutherford's media tour from from last week? Um, yeah, we we hear it all the time from from listeners who overreact every uh, I don't know not great Thanks. game Elias Pettersson has. And last week, Jim Rutherford essentially rolled out the red carpet for Elias Pettersson to get a contract done. When we asked him if they'd prefer a long term deal, he just said, "We're comfortable with whatever." Elias Patterson is comfortable with, and it created all kinds of, of conversations around that. But it's it's pretty obvious the the Canucks are just uh, as we've talked about in the past. They're just waiting for Elias Patterson to say, "Okay, I'm ready to discuss contract." Well, yeah, because the Canucks almost like the bad person. Yeah, right. They like they're not looking like the bad guy. They're saying we're ready to talk, mm-hmm. and they're he's being very open about it. We're ready to talk whenever you are. We're going to give you whatever you want. I'm just, you know, I'm not saying that they're going to, but we're going to give you whatever you want whenever you're ready to talk. This one's on you. This one's on your staff. This is whatever you guys want to do. Lise Pedersen, really, I don't think that he's, they care, to be honest. Like, I, I know that <laughs> I saw your tweet, Dan, the other day about his first 16 games and his last 16 games, and I think that, you know, if anyone's in the contract negotiation, Jim Rutherford circling that tweet right there and taking that into account for sure. <laughs> might, might, be on, a, uh, might, might be a good indicator as to why the Canucks want to talk contract now. Exactly. Um, but, no, I, I think that, look, if a deal is going to get done with Elias Pedersen, you know, it, it's going to take both sides. And, and I think that when they're ready to talk, they'll, they'll, they'll talk. I, I do believe that Pedersen does want to be here, wants to be a Canuck. Um, again, I go back to the term. Is, does he want to be a Canuck for a yeah. really, really long time or only a little bit of a long time? You know what I mean? Is it, is it, is it that four-year deal? Is it, is it that you know, five- or, or eight-year deal or whatever it can be? But um, like I said, I mean, I'm, I agree with Jim Rutherford. This one's completely on them. So when they're ready to talk, I'm sure the Canucks will be all ears. Uh, Irf, we uh, appreciate the time as always. We'll be talking soon. Happy holidays. Yeah, next week. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Uh, enjoy it, and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Uh, there he is, Zerfan Gafar, Canucks insider, joining us here on Canucks Central. Yeah, and I mean, on the Rutherford thing, to be clear, he was answering your question about term. Yes. We're comfortable with whatever term Pedersen is comfortable yes. with. Yes. There's a difference between being comfortable with any year length of year <laughs> and whatever number they present. There might be uncomfortable. There, might be, there yes. might be uncomfortability with some of the numbers, perhaps, <laughs> but the term, I think they're very much ready to do whatever. I want $17 million, please. <laughs> sure. Uh, I don't know. I don't know about that. Yeah. Uh, coming up, the Canucks against the hottest team in the National Hockey League, the Nashville Predators. Yes, you might be surprised to hear that, but they've won 13 of their last 16 games. Jan Pro, the leader in commercial cleaning. Keep your workplace safe during the flu season by trusting Jan Pro's EnviroShield disinfection service. Visit janpro.ca. The pregame is next on Sportsnet 650.